Welcome to episode 31 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with PsychArmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. My guest today will be talking about the Monthly Housing Allowance Gap Initiative a collaborative group of businesses, educational institutions, and local organization partners that are working to source paid work opportunities for military-affiliated students experiencing a gap in financial stability due to breaks in their academic coursework. Becky Schusner is a multifaceted professional leading with a mission to do the most good for the most people. Primarily, Becky works in business development for WWC Global, a small woman-owned government contracting firm based in Tampa that specializes in providing practical, innovative, and budget-conscious business solutions to the government. Suzanne Novak has extensive real-world emergency management and disaster response and recovery experience, working with all levels of the government, federal, tribal, state, and local, as well as with the private sector. She is the owner and president of Erudine Incorporated, a consulting and services company that provides solutions to complex issues in the crisis management sector. You can find out more about Suzanne and Becky and the MHA Gap Initiative by taking a look at their bio and links in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with them and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So, Becky, you served in the Navy for 11 years and now supporting a number of initiatives, including the Hampton Roads Military Spouse Professional Network. One of the efforts you're currently spearheading is the Monthly Housing Allowance Gap Initiative, and this highlights a particular problem for military-affiliated students. What can you tell us about the MHA Gap Initiative, why it's necessary, sort of how it started, and, and what you're doing with it? First of all, Dwayne, thank you for having me. This is a really great opportunity to talk about what we're doing and to get the word out. So we really appreciate it. So the GAP initiative is something that was actually born out of my own experiences. I served 11 years in the Navy as a musician. And upon separating, I, as life is always complicated for lots of people, I was getting divorced and moving across the globe from Hawaii to New Jersey with my two-year-old. So I was doing this as a single mom. And also decided I knew that it was very important for me to go to college because I needed to, uh, you know, be able to earn a good living for my son. So here we are in New Jersey and I'm living off of that MHA and realizing that it's really not a lot of money, but this is what we have to deal with. So that's fine. We do all right. And then my first break in school comes up and I realize, oh my gosh, my payment stops. So in my panic mode, I decide, all right, fine, I'm just going to go ahead and go to school full time in summer. So that's what I did. And I kept receiving my housing allowance, at least that first break. The next break comes along and I couldn't, there was nothing there. They didn't have classes in the winter time. So I, again, didn't have my payment available. 
So I'm in panic mode again. So anyway, I lived through that experience in New Jersey and my now husband and I get married and he's active duty. So he ends up, he's in Hawaii at the time. And through that, the end of his tour, he ends up getting orders to Rhode Island, which is great because we're finally on the same coast. That five hour time difference is really hard to to deal with. For two years, we did that. So we make the trek up to Rhode Island and I, I actually transferred schools to Brown University. I had the amazing privilege of being accepted into Brown University where I studied urban studies. And all the while, I'm still earning my MHA payment that becomes part of our family's income, right? And at the same time, I also have another baby because again, life is complicated and we don't like to do things easy. So I'm going to school full time. I'm pregnant, have this other child and things are just pretty tough. And um, I graduate finally was wonderful. And we get orders down to Virginia, at which point I start working again, as you mentioned, Dwayne, I volunteer in in a number of volunteer positions. And the, the next one that I took was with the military spouse professional network, which is a program under hiring our heroes. And that particular program falls under the nonprofit arm of the U.S. Chamber. So I had, again, the privilege of getting to to know a lot of the chamber folks here locally in Virginia. And so I capitalized on that. And I said, hey, when I was a student, this was a problem for me where I noticed that when I was in school and there was a break in my classes for just a normal break, I didn't have financial backing anymore. And I think we here in Hampton Roads, we had a unique opportunity to focus on that issue and sat down with a couple people. And I I was like, hey, why don't we just start talking about this problem here? We talk about a lot of other problems. The Hampton Roads Chamber is very good about focusing on issues around veterans like homelessness and even childcare, things like that. But nobody was talking about this problem. So I just got all the folks together who were already talking and said, hey, let's talk about this problem. So hence was born the MHA GAP initiative. No, it's it's really interesting. And I think especially for people who aren't in that experience, they don't understand the challenge of one, the gap is maybe the money doesn't go far enough when you are receiving it. But then there's a period of time, as you said, if you take the summer off or during that winter break, mid-December through mid-January, that's an entire month of non-income that you're getting. So those are the gaps that you're referring to. And not that this is maybe the school's responsibility or even the GI Bill or the VA's responsibility, but nobody's talking about that as they're helping veterans understand how to navigate this financial aspect of living through getting an education. That's absolutely true. And part of what we're trying to do is not just connect these students to paid work opportunities when they're not in school, but it's also to help them build out what they they may not even have right now, which is a network in a specific industry that they're trying to get into. If you don't have a network in that industry, how are you going to get in? I think depending on which study you cite, it's between 50 to, I want to say 80% of all jobs are found through networking. We're trying to help them out with that. And we also, when we're talking to these students, we also talk to them about professional development issues because I didn't know anything about a salary negotiation and really how to write a resume specific to a job posting and all those kinds of things. So those are also some of the topics that we like to cover with them. And I can see that that's something that's really necessary to be be able to help them bridge that gap. And Suzanne, you're a business owner that's part of the MHA GAP initiative that's hiring these military-affiliated students for short-term employment. Number one, 
you know, when I was going through school, I was still in the military, but also I was, I mean, it's in many times we're working in a number of different jobs, but it can be difficult for students who are going to school full-time who also want to work. Maybe they only have a, a, a short time, five, six, seven weeks. I'm interested to hear about your experience in solving this particular need for students as well as meeting the needs of local employers. Sure. So I got involved in the MHA GAP initiative because one of the things my company does is provide training our, our general businesses, crisis management, infrastructure, protection, national security. Several years ago, when I discovered that you could get your commercial drone pilot's license without ever having flown a drone. And so from a national security standpoint, that scared the heck out of me. As a business owner, that person had their FAA pilot's license, but I had no idea that they actually knew how to fly the drone because you can go online and pay $150, take the, download a document, go pay $150, download, take the test and, and pass without knowing if they had any stick time. And the reason I share that part is because what I did when I launched the flight school is I assessed who would be the best candidates for our flight school based on our business. And that's why I shared the part of what our business does as well. And I spent about six months researching it and the ideal candidate are veterans, like military in transition, public safety as well. But really, because of the nature of our business, I knew that if I needed to deploy folks, which is what happened with the, using the drone and how I found out about the pilot license dilemma, so to speak. And so I reached out to a lot of various veterans organizations, a lot with the state and how it all worked with various nonprofits, etc. And what I found is the veterans and both being veterans, I'm preaching to the choir, I realize that, but I don't know how you do it when there's all these different organizations that are quote unquote helping. And these folks that came to me and my program I was going jumping through hoops, but there's all these requirements of when you can get paid for being in the program or not, et cetera. And so what I built was a network, right? Not only veterans, but also people trying to help them, et cetera. And I got plugged into one of the universities that participates in the MHA GAP initiative because they're fairly close to, I live in a remote area. And that was the other part of why it was a great idea for veterans because our demographics, our community, et cetera, fit the ideal location for veterans to come given the number of them that come from rural areas. They can come to a comfortable environment with a group of people, have that networking opportunity. And my goal was to give them the opportunity and the exposure. If they never became a commercial drone pilot, I was okay with that because it was really about one more thing that they decided they didn't want to do, which was one step closer to what they did want to do. And if they ended up being a commercial drone pilot, we helped them through the process. I taught part of our course was being, you know, having your own business. And so where the outreach with the MHA GAP initiative came in, I was invited to participate in the meeting. And what I heard was, I can solve that problem. Because as a small business owner, I can't afford to bring people on full-time that I don't need full-time. So, for example, a commercial drone pilot, I don't need them full-time because that's not the core part of our business. But what I do need is the continuous relationship with them. So when I do need them, I can call them and put them to work. And so that model, the same thing applies on our crisis management side. We deploy people for shorter, when I said to Puerto Rico, it was a 12-day assignment. I sent folks to Dallas not too long ago, and it was 45 days. 
And then never mind the structure of our business where it's short term. It might be a marketing project. It might be a crisis management plan. There's all sorts of ways I can use uh, short term project focused help. And I brought that up on one of the meetings because what I was hearing were all these employers talking about the bureaucracy again. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, hey, as a small business, I'm an entrepreneur and I've had my company for 20 years and you have to be creative. I'm the flip side of Becky's story. You figure out the how the heck do I do the worst odds and I still come through on the other side? And that's also where I think there's great synergy between the crisis management. I have a, I was deployed with FEMA for a while as a reservist for a number of years, so I went out on disasters. Put those two personalities together and you put those that problem and you look at it from different perspectives, Becky can really address the aha moment that people had on the call when I raised my hand. And part of it was, who the heck is she as a small business owner? And they've got Newport News shipbuilding on the phone and all these other folks and they're the experienced people. And there was really like silence and it seemed like forever on the phone where people were like, oh, yeah, project-based. And so yeah. I, I was able to demonstrate what you really want is project-based hiring yeah. for these folks to address the issue you talked about. So what I can imagine, and out here in Colorado and in the West, we're into fire season, wildfire season. Yeah. And we're also in July. And students are out of school right now if they didn't, you know, so we're talking about military affiliated students. So this would probably be an opportunity at this time. And wildfire season isn't happening in January and February. And there's other things and obviously, but that's what you're talking about is one, using the need for veterans to find something that's meaningful and purposeful and, and doing something to help others help the community, their flexibility, but also their availability at different times throughout the year. And the most critical part is their mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I also would like to point out, I know we, we keep saying military affiliated and we're mostly talking about veterans here, but it's really important for everyone listening to know that we're not just talking about veterans. So I worked with military spouse very closely, and this happens a lot in these conversations where a lot of organizations focus on veterans and military spouses as a secondary, but this is not a secondary. They are included as well. And their dependents, because we know all three of those categories are using the GI Bill. And I also want to point out, we're very inclusive with who we choose to include in what we're doing. We would never turn a student away who's a military-affiliated student and say, I'm sorry, you're not receiving a monthly housing allowance, so you don't get to participate. Like that, That's not how we work. And similarly, as Suzanne has already noted, we also don't turn away companies saying, I don't have the ability to, ha- to build a, a traditional internship program. Okay, that's fine. But what can you do? Do you have the ability to pay someone even for two weeks to do this project for you? Okay, then this is actually a great program for you to participate in. So, you know, the, the flexibility that we have is something that I, I pride myself and all of our volunteers on. We live by the motto of yes, if, not no, because. That's a good point. And that was also one of the things we looked at in the drone flight school was military spouses for the same reason. They have the same mindset as, as Becky demonstrated. It's whether you're in the military or the military spouse, you have to move on the fly. You have to be creative. You have to figure out you're in crisis mode probably all the time. 
right? Because you're either living it of where you're deployed or you're living it because you're about to move to your next deployment. And I think the, and that's a good point from our school standpoint, that was one of the organizations I reached out to actually was a lot of the military spouse organizations because the same thing with the drone pilot, you can be a drone pilot, you can be in crisis management anywhere in the world and, and have work. And I really, I appreciate that. And I, I got that understanding when you, you referred to military affiliated and it wasn't just veterans because both of my kids are currently going to college under the GI Bill and they get their monthly stipend. But my daughter's going for early childhood education and my son is going. Uh, but that's okay. That's what college is for. But both of them are taking the summer off. And, and my daughter had to, to pick up extra uh, hours where she's working to be able to cover that. And of course, my son lives with us. And so that's one of the things that, yes, it's not just about the veteran themselves, because especially with the new GI Bill, they transfer that and things like that. And what's really intriguing to me is obviously the conversation around the gig economy. That's what the military was. I was in for 22 years, but I have 17 different jobs. And you were in for 11 years. Becky, I'm sure that you worked for a number of different bands or, or did a number of different things. And so I think it's really taking that flexibility, but also Suzanne, as you said, that desire in that mindset. So what are some of the successes that both of you have seen come out of the MHA GAP initiative? And I can imagine there's been benefits for both employers and for the students. I think so far, the, the biggest success that we've had is pulling in Suzanne. Honestly, she's been great. She tells our story wherever she goes. Also, we have a, a local workforce development council that is very involved in what we're doing and they're very supportive. So they have a website that they use. It's called the Veterans Career Compass that they've put together. And it's a really cool online tool where these students can go to access paid work opportunities. It's like the the hub, right? Of It's the holding place of all of the opportunities that we're talking about. So that if a student can't make it to the events that we hold, where we actually are connecting the students to the employers, that's fine. You can go online and look. And what I love about the tool is that, like I mentioned before, a lot of these students, they are unfamiliar with sort of the professional world. And so the website actually allows them to build a resume. It teaches them how to do that if they don't already have one. And then at that point, they can search for any opportunities that are available on there that might fit within their timeline. And what's really cool is that that tool was actually only available prior to this for veterans and spouses. And it was only available if you were looking for more traditional work. That, that's what I mean by they're very supportive of what we're doing. We called them up and we were like, hey, can we expand what you're doing? And they said, yes, if. So again, there's that, there's our, our motto at work, right? So for me, that I think is like one of our biggest successes in addition to having Suzanne on the team. And Suzanne, I can imagine it's really been helpful for you as an employer and for other employers to have access to this workforce. Absolutely. And I was going to say just that. So the deployment to Dallas, first thing I did was I reached out to the folks in the MHA GAP initiative on one of our weekly calls. And I mentioned, if you know any students that have time and want to go, and one of the school's students signed up right away. And then another one of the schools, the actual veteran coordinator signed up, took sabbatical from his work to go and work on this project, which was supporting unaccompanied minors in Texas. And so that's what I mean about having the right mindset, understanding the problem. I knew I could count on those folks to go and do what needed to be done, whatever the conditions were, because we had no idea. And, and I think that's really key 
to our success. And then for other companies, I would say the success, just listening to these calls and hearing what these companies are looking for, it's the success is that they're understanding the value of veterans and military spouses, you know, the military community in a different way. And so when they're looking at, oh, we can hire them in this role, and Becky pipes up and says, what about this? Or how can we do that? And, and we really are living and breathing that yes, if. I, I don't hear folks say no, because probably aren't continuing to participate from a business standpoint because this model might not work for them. And that's good, too, because then you're not wasting anybody's time or setting false expectations. No, that's what I'm I'm really encouraged in hearing this. And it's currently located in the Hampton Roads area, right? I mean it's it's currently geographically located in a community that has a significant military and veteran population, but there are other places around the country, Colorado Springs being one of them, San Diego, San Antonio, Pensacola, Florida, who are different communities and have different small business owners but could also take this model and apply it to their community, right? And they do it in a different way, but the framework is the same. So I, I really, this is, it's a great initiative and, and I obviously wish you all the luck. Becky, if people wanted to find out more about the MHA GAP initiative, how can they do that? Well, first of all, they can email me at mhagapinitiative at gmail.com. We also have a LinkedIn page and we also have a Facebook page. If you just search for MHA Gap Initiative, that is what comes up and you'll see our, our cute little teal logo. Sounds good. And Suzanne, if people wanted to find out more about what you're doing, how could they do that? They can email me at suzanne.novak at com or go to our company website, areadyme.com, E-R-U-D-Y-N-E.com. And I also would hope you'd invite us back because I'm not going to, we can't share today, but we have some cool things coming up that I think will help grow the program and be able to help others across the country. So I'm going to put in that plug without Becky poking me saying, don't say anything yet. <laughs> I I absolutely love a cliffhanger and we will leave on the cliffhanger note and tell people you're going to have to tune back in later and come back and hear more of the success. But I, I, it does sound like this is solving a pretty unique problem in a very significant way. Thank you both for coming on the show today. Yes. Thank you for having us. Great, thank you very much. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. Becky and the Monthly Housing Allowance Gap Initiative has come up with a unique solution to a common problem, but one that's not very widely understood or discussed. For those of you who are not exactly familiar with the challenges, I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about what the monthly housing allowance is and how it works. Those veterans using the post-9-11 GI Bill receive a monthly housing allowance based on the zip code of the location of the school where they're attending the majority of their classes. The average housing stipend is just over $1,800 a month, but can be over $2,700 a month depending on the cost of living of the campus location. Online students receive a stipend equal to half the national average. To qualify for the housing stipend, the student must be going to school for greater than 50% of a full course load, and a percentage of the housing allowance is paid according to the percentage of the course being taken. So if a full-time course is 12 credit hours, then the veteran would get 100% of their housing allowance if they're taking 12 credit hours, about 80% of their housing allowance if they're taking 9 credit hours, 
about 60% if they're taking seven credit hours, and nothing if they're taking six credit hours or below, because six credits is 50%, and the student must be attending more than 50% of the time. Confusing? Certainly can be. But what Becky experienced is, if a veteran is counting on a housing stipend as income, then they must remain in school. For example, if they don't take any classes over the summer, they don't get the housing stipend for June, July, or most of August. So, as was in Becky's case, they have to take a full course load through the summer. And college for the entire year without a break can be stressful, but not being able to pay rent or mortgage can be even more stressful. Then, as again in Becky's case, there are no courses available during the winter break, so mid-December through mid-January, again, no housing allowance. Now, there are those who may argue that veterans should not rely on the monthly housing stipend as income, or that they should understand that there's going to be a gap in plan accordingly. The thing is, no one tells us about these things. On top of that, many veterans are first-generation college students. I know that I certainly was, and first-generation college students don't have the benefit of parents who understand the college application and financial process, grants and loans, scholarships, and FAFSA. So the MHA GAP initiative, pairing students in need of short-term work with organizations that have the ability to provide project-based employment, is a pretty ingenious solution to a problem that is unique to those attending school using the GI Bill. The other point that I'd like to make is Suzanne's observation that service members, veterans, and first responders are uniquely suited to non-traditional work, such as project-based short-term employment. There's been a lot of talk about the gig economy in the last 15 years, in which someone is able to stitch together a standard of living through a series of multiple income sources. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average years that a worker has spent with their current employer is 4.6 years. It's lower for the younger workforce at 3.2 years for ages 25 to 34, and longer for the older workforce 10.3 years for those over the age of 65. But if you look at service members, we're used to a flexible and highly adaptable employment history. You could look at my military career and say that I was in the military for 22 years, but I never spent more than three years in any one job. I spent eight years at my last duty station, but had six different duty assignments within those eight years. So service members have been living the gig economy the entire time they were in the military. And that helps us develop problem-solving skills, career flexibility, and adaptability to new environments. We have high levels of stress tolerance and a knack at figuring things out. All skills that come in handy if someone's looking for adaptable problem solvers with the high degree of stress tolerance, which is exactly what Suzanne was looking for. At the same time, those kind of traits do not lend itself to post-military employment stability, when changing jobs every 18 months to three years is not looked on as very favorable. Therefore, like many workers today, veterans must look to build a career within an industry, not necessarily with a specific company. We have to think laterally, not vertically. There are many who might disagree with this as well, of course. I have colleagues who have spent decades at a company moving up the career ladder to executive positions, but I also have colleagues who have built a lifestyle around working when they want, how they want, and for who they want. Both are stressful and both can be successful, but the MHA GAP initiative seems to be a program that can harness the unique skills of service members and veterans while also meeting a unique need that those same students have. So I highly recommend that you check out the MHA GAP initiative, especially if you're in the Hampton Roads area, but also if this looks like something you might be interested in bringing to your community, take a look at what they're doing and how you can apply what they're doing for military-affiliated students in your neck of the woods. For this week's Psych Armor Resource of the Week, I'd like to recommend the course series on veterans and higher education. 85% of student veterans are older than 24, and almost half of student veterans are parents. In addition to their military background, 
These students enter higher education with very different needs than traditional college-age students. These higher education courses are designed to help learners better understand some of the challenges that returning service members face in academia, as well as provide information regarding how to help ease the transition. These free courses were developed for educators of student veterans. In this category, one can find the PsychArmor Cornerstone course, 15 Things Veterans Want You to Know, as well as modules that address the basics for lecturers, professors, instructors, advisors, and support staff who teach, support, and engage with student veterans at colleges, universities, and trade schools. Check out the link to the course series in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to check out this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM31, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.